Hey, good morning again, everyone. Good to see everybody out this morning. We've got some visitors with us this morning, and good to have you here. I want to invite you to be back with us anytime you can, and certainly uh, always a pleasure to have you with us. Let's see, this morning's Children's Church, a big surprise for the kids, big fun day for the kids. It's Karen's Puppets, so uh, let's send those kids over to the uh, Fellowship Hall. We're going to have a good time for that. And while they're heading over for Children's Church number 51, Lord, I'm Coming Home, will be our uh, hymn of invitation this morning. I'd like to go ahead and turn there. Good looking group heading out and over. Oh, it's the shoes. Okay. <laughs> And if you're logging into Facebook or onto YouTube a little bit later, good to have you with us. I uh, want to invite you to be here anytime that you can. Join us in person if you can, but if not, certainly glad to have you uh, with us on uh, Facebook or onto YouTube, whichever uh, you use. And it's always a, a, a privilege for me to share in God's Word with you and, and uh, to stand here before you this morning. Uh, honored to do that. Of course, uh, you may remember last week we started a series about boundaries, and uh, we're going to continue uh, to look at that. Uh, told you I didn't know how many how many installments of this series we would have. Last Sunday night we looked at some of the commandments, the Ten Commandments in particular, and and I was able to go back and look up uh, some Kentucky law that associated with those, and and we'll continue to look at. Uh, commandments throughout uh, the course of this series as well on on the evening study so I invite you to be here for that also we push boundaries don't we uh, or we only adhere to the boundaries that are convenient for us to do so sometimes and uh, this morning we're going to continue to look at that series if you will go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis Genesis 1 because that's the uh, that's the title of this morning's ser uh, sermon is in the beginning. In the beginning, we're going to see that God created boundaries within creation itself, and uh, we are subject to that same type of of boundary through being part of His creation. Uh, and uh, when we consider God's word, His authority over all of creation and man and our eternal destiny then I think it's suitable that we start at the beginning the beginning to see the pattern of those boundaries that he has set and the result of in most cases we'll see not staying within those boundaries so if you would turn with me if you're not Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and and we know this uh, uh, verse uh, about any of us could quote it. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God created the heaven and the earth. And so from nothing was created something. And with that creation, we see boundaries created within that area of creation. And we'll just look through some of these uh, areas uh, throughout creation. Verses 3 and 4, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good, and God divided it from light from darkness. 
So there we have that first boundary, even in the first creation. Heaven and earth, light and dark, we see a boundary in his creation. All of these things result, reflect upon us too. Seven and eight. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. Another boundary we see with our atmosphere being created. That which is above and that which is below. A boundary. Nine and ten. God said, let the waters under heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and gathering together the waters he called seas and God saw that it was good. God told the oceans where to stop. He said, this is your boundary, ocean. And we see those boundaries still in place today. Wherever God had set the dry land, the dry land is. And where God had set the sea and the ocean, it is. Boundaries. Sun and the moon in verse 16. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. Sun comes up in the east, sets in the west, and the moon follows. The sun doesn't all of a sudden one day rise in the north and set in the south, does it? The moon doesn't decide it's going to do something different because that's not the boundary that God set for it. East and west, from the beginning of time, it has set and rose in that fashion, both. 20 through 25. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and the fowl that may fly above the earth into the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth in the evening, and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after its kind, cattle and creeping thing, the beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. So the animals, the water, the air, and the land, not likely to go out and see a chicken swimming on the ocean, right? Because the boundary set for God that God set for a chicken versus a seagull are different. Not likely that we're going to see a buffalo fly through the air. Though we do eat buffalo wings, I've never been able to figure out where they come from. We're not going to see a buffalo fly through the air because of the boundary that God set in creation. And notice he says, after its kind. All of these animals stay within that boundary of kind. That means species. All animals within their species because of creation, because of that boundary of kind is set, we see as well.
<clears throat> and then finally, 26, the sixth day, man and woman. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. The boundaries for man was set in those verses. Male and female. Two genders. And we are, as his creation of the sixth day, to have dominion over all of the animals on the earth. A boundary set by God. We see plainly that his creation is made with boundaries. And what has man done today? What are we witnessing today? Especially you younger generation of people that are in this room or watching uh, on uh, uh, Facebook or YouTube. Your culture, your, the culture that you're growing up in today, and as you get older and older and older, you will see man push the boundaries of creation. Just as we're seeing those boundaries being pushed very, this very day. The, the boundaries, the lines of the boundaries that God has created, we're seeing being blurred and mocked. But creation clearly shows a clear boundary. When man is allowed to decide what the boundary is, we see the result of that. We may not see an immediate action. And men do not see sometimes an immediate action. And we have seen people mock God and his creation because of the lack of an immediate retribution to crossing or violating these boundaries but that doesn't mean and we can be rest assured that judgment awaits all of us and these boundaries will define that judgment in fact I want to look at a very plain example of boundaries being violated and the cost of that look in Genesis chapter 2 with me Verses 16 and 17. These are not scriptures that we're not familiar with. But I oftentimes wonder if we just read this and we don't realize that God is setting boundaries and giving us examples of future conduct. Future expectations. Yes, it's a creation story, but it's also defining God's character to us. Verses 16 and 17 of Genesis says this. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou may eatest freely, or freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. That's a pretty clear boundary, isn't it? Nothing, nothing obscure about that. Nothing hard to understand about that. 
God says of every tree in the garden you can eat but one. And that, if you eat it, you're going to die. Clear boundary. Clear. Easy to understand. No wiggle room. But we know the rest of the story, don't we? The devil made me do it. Right? Ain't that what we, we know it as? Verse 3 of chapter 3. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, and this is Eve talking to the serpent here. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now wait just a minute. Didn't we just read the command that God gave about the tree of good and evil? Is that what he said? Did he say, if I eat of it or if you touch it, you will die? No, he did not say that. He said, if you eat of it, you shall surely die. But he didn't say nothing about touching it. So I got to looking at this when I thought about it and wanted to go a little bit further. Who did God tell about the tree of good and evil? Let's go back and look at it again. But the Lord God commanded who? Verse 16 of chapter 2. The Lord God commanded who? The man, Adam. Look down about three verses or two verses further. And the Lord, verse 18, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet. Eve wasn't even on the planet at the time. See where I'm going? Eve was not even created at the time that God gave Adam the commandment not to touch the, the fruit or to eat the fruit of the tree of good and evil. So whose responsibility was it to relay the message to Eve about the good and the evil? It was Adam's. What did Adam do with the message that God gave him? He added to the boundary, didn't he? And we're going to see a piece of scripture here in a little bit about that. Because where did she come up with that? Well, we don't know that Adam added to it. Let me just say this. Somebody added to it. Because why would she have said it? Why would she have said what she said in 3.3? But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Somebody's added to the boundary. And that's when you begin getting in trouble. When you start trying to stretch the boundary or, or make the boundary smaller, you get into trouble because God set the boundary. You don't know better than God. You don't know that you need to be more protection by adding something to his boundary. And you certainly don't know that you have the authority to say, well, that's really too, too stringent of a boundary. But that's what we see happening here, doesn't it? Isn't it? The fact remains God set the boundary. Adam and Eve broke the boundary. And then what happens in verse 4, 3, 4? Temptation sets in. The old devil, Satan, answers her and says, And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall surely not die. Temptation. That little voice, always trying to justify going beyond God's boundaries, you'll get that voice to encourage you to do it. He surely won't die. It's always Satan. 
God will never, never, never move a boundary for you to, to break. He'll never adjust a boundary for you, for your situation. Never. Because once the boundary is set, it's set. And we see that in the scriptures. But what do we see here? Temptation. God never moves a boundary. If you think he can move a boundary, then guess what you're saying? Or let me ask you this, can God lie? No. If God says this, and that's the boundary, and then he moves it, then that's not the boundary, is it? And that's not God. That's, that's the thing that's plagued man and woman ever since temptation, is that little voice. That little voice that convinces us the thrill, the excitement, whatever the lust in some cases, whatever's involved in that boundary, and then the fall. Oftentimes we listen to that voice and we get so caught up in whatever the boundary breaking is that we don't think about the fall afterwards. And there is always a fall. Always a fall. I'm sure they won't die. I'm sure they won't get caught. No one will ever know. Well, here's what Adam and Eve found out. God knows. God certainly knows. He always knows. And there's always, always consequences. And we'll see that in verse 17. And Adam said, because, and he said unto Adam, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Cursed is the ground. If you notice something, who, again, who did God say that he commanded? Which I commanded of thee. The man, Adam, head of the household. That's how God designed it, by the way. Husband's the head of the house. And Adam went so far as a few verses back. Do we recall? When they were hiding from God? Of course, we'll get to that in a minute. But who did he blame for eating the fruit of the tree of good and evil? Eve. It's that woman you give me. <laughs> and we've been trying to blame women all of our lives. <laughs> and the women have been trying to blame us, right? But it started with Adam and Eve. He said, it's that woman that you give me. She tricked me. The serpent beguiled her, he said. The serpent tricked her. Adam, if you'd been very clear with your instructions to your wife, boundary, if you'd been very clear with your instructions instead of adding to God's instructions, would this have been an outcome because somebody got the idea, if I even touch it, I'm going to die. Surely you won't die. Cursed is the ground. Did he really believe, did he honestly believe that God didn't know what went on? You think about that? Adam is the one that God told, and I'm sure Adam understood. 
the, the specifics about that fruit. Adam, I'll guarantee, and we often see it depicted as an apple, okay? And just for today's sake, let's say it is an apple. It's not, but let's say it is. God would have shown him the apple. This is what it looks like. This is the color of it. There's no doubt in your mind what it is. When Eve, and they were together, listen, they were together, they were at the, there was only one place it wasn't like they could go down to the market and go through the fruit section of the market and pick up different fruits. Where would you have to go to get the fruit from the tree of good and evil? But at the very tree itself, they were there together. But yet, they both consented. But yet, they both blamed someone else, didn't they? Well, the serpent beguiled me. Well, that woman you gave me. Neither one of them accepted the responsibility that they failed in the boundary that he set. They were both guilty. Both of them said, I'm not to blame. Now, here's an important lesson for us to, to learn, men and women. What we see here in this very early part of creation also sets a boundary in the, in the wedding, in the marriage of a man and a wife, but also that the man leads the household. And if the man doesn't lead, the woman will step in and lead. And that is against God's boundary. Now don't get mad at me because I'm just reading the scriptures and showing what the scriptures show. It's plain. Boundaries. We need, and that's why it's so important. You look, and I seen a, a, I watched a little video the other day uh, talking about the fall of the family in urban areas. The decline of the family. And the biggest contributing factor to the decline of the, the family in the city setting is the fact that they are not fathers in the home. That's it. Dads are not in the house. Boundary. We can see it right here. Those of us that's involved in education. You see a distinct difference in children that are only parented by one parent. I'm not knocking people. I'm just telling you, when you break a boundary, there's consequences. It's plain. It's simple, and it's in God's Word. It's not hard to understand. Not hard at all to understand. Now, let's think about this. Cursed is the ground. But not only that, think about what they gave up. Because there's no doubt in my mind they understood this boundary. Do we remember what God told them about the, where he placed them in the, in the Garden of Eden? That he supplied them every herb of the field, all of the fruit that bear seed for food, and that, not only for them, but the animals. They didn't have to lift a finger. The food was right there. It's like we're going to be, uh, in a few months here, you'll be able to walk out to your gardens, those that plant gardens, and you'll be able to pick corn and beans and tomatoes and and just walk out there and pick it and eat it. Bring it in and prepare it. That's the kind of shape that these folks was in. They had it made. Just one thing that you don't have to, don't have to eat. Now, to me, 
that, that fruit of the good of evil, it's an onion because you won't never have to worry about me touching that dude, okay? But everything else in the garden, I'll freely eat. And that's where they were at. And because they crossed that boundary, because they crossed that boundary, they got removed from where they didn't have to worry about anything. And what else happened? What did he tell Eve? You're going to greatly multiply your, your pain in childbirth. So I'm thinking, if he has to greatly multiply it, then it was supposed to have been relatively painless. Make sense? I mean, it's common sense to me. Said that Adam would have to now go out and plant, and the ground wouldn't yield all that it's capable of yielding. Thorns and thistles. Remember? That's the opposite of what we learned about creation just a few verses ago. All of the herbs of the field and the fruit. So that's what they gave up to cross this boundary. So is there consequences? Absolutely there's consequences. Every time. Every time. And we all have to deal with temptation. And we all have to deal with sin because Adam did not lead and did not make it clear to Eve and did not simply take the... You ever think about this? I was thinking about this. Woman, give me that thing and pinched it back under the tree. What would have happened then? What if he would have said, what are you doing? We're not allowed to eat of that. Give me that apple and throw it down on the ground under the tree. He didn't. He didn't. And how many times, husbands, should you have snatched an apple out of the hand of your wife and said, put that back? But we don't. For fear of a fight. For fear of a bologna sandwich for supper instead of fried chicken. For fear of sleeping on the couch. How about for fear of having to go out and scratch out a living? Think about it that way. We don't think about the boundaries that way because we don't oftentimes see immediate consequences. Adam and Eve saw immediate consequences. They were ejected. You're out. You're gone. Something for us to think about, which brings us to our next point, which is the last one. And so oftentimes we see this. Verse 8, back in... Uh, Chapter 3, we're still in three, chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. You ever think about that? They hid from God. They thought they was hiding from God. You ever play hide and seek with a little bitty, little, little, little kid? <laughs> They're not real good at picking out a hide place. Or like you see half their body or it'd be kind of like me trying to hide behind a chair. You know, you could see me in the chair. That's kind of how I picture this. Adam and Eve, they're, they're going to hide from God. They're going to hide their boundary crossing, their boundary breaking. They're going to hide that from God. The one that created the tree they was hiding behind. See, that's, See that? See his hands? That's, that's a good hiding spot, isn't it? You're going to hide from God. But you know what's... And that's funny to think about when we do that now. But you know what? We're still trying to hide from God. People still trying to hide from God. To this very day, 
people's trying to hide it like it ever works but we do it today like nobody knows it'll be okay we got it if I steal a little bit from the till they'll never know if I cheat a little bit on my taxes they'll never know nobody saw us and if we don't tell our spouses no one will ever know we actually think we can hide from God we think we can hide from God when we go outside of his boundary and he'll never know. He'll never know what we've done. Just because people don't know, God don't know. You really think God a fool whenever you have that kind of mentality. Because God knows. It didn't work then. It don't work now and it won't never work. Oh, we might get away with it here on earth. Man's easy enough to fool. You won't ever get away with it with God. Many times people are caught. But what do they regret? They regret getting caught. They don't regret through conviction of the Holy Spirit of crossing the boundary. That comes before ever getting caught. See the difference? Oftentimes you'll hear someone uh, say, oh, well, I'm sorry, after they get caught, but they never have no conviction about what the crime that they committed, or in this case, the boundary that they crossed, what it meant that they did. You know, maybe it cost you a job because you were stealing money. Maybe it cost you a big fine from the IRS after an audit was done and you've been cheating on your taxes. Maybe it cost you the trust of your spouse because of infidelity. Maybe it cost you a divorce because of infidelity. They're sorry they got caught. They're not convicted in some cases that they crossed the boundary in the first place. Because if you're convicted of crossing the boundary, guess what you will do? It goes right back to what I said from Adam, snatching the apple out of her hand. You'll repent before getting caught. There's a concept, isn't it? You'll repent before you get caught crossing the boundary and you'll make amends before the penalty comes, but yet there'll be penalty. There's always consequences for our actions, always. But no consequence here on this earth is worth jeopardizing your salvation, folks. None. There is no fine, no penalty, no job, no course of embarrassment here worth jeopardizing the eternal destiny. There's a little voice, the conscience, the Holy Spirit. It convicts us. And if we follow that, it's a whole different story. It can be a whole different outcome. If we don't, we're good. we can expect the same outcome as Adam and Eve. The original boundary breakers. We can accept, expect the same outcome as they did. It's what the Bible shows me. God set boundaries for a reason. And it doesn't even have to be something we agree with or even understand, but it just we have to honor his boundaries. The first four chapters that we looked at, first three really, it establishes that. 
And if we're to be a faithful follower of God, if we're to be a faithful Christian, we have to always adhere to the boundaries of God. Deuteronomy 12.32. And we're going to look at Deuteronomy next week. But I wanted to kind of preview this. Deuteronomy 12.32. And this is where God's warning children of Israel about idolatry. He says, What so... What things soever I command you, observe to do it. Now look at this last sentence. Look at this. Now I don't have a slide because I just added it this morning. Thou shalt not add thereto nor diminish from it. That's still true today. Oh, that's Old Testament. That don't apply. You're wrong. If God didn't want them adding to what his commands was then, he doesn't want us adding or taking away from the boundaries today. Period. So what I ask of you this morning is this. How are you doing with God's boundaries? How are you doing with God's boundaries? That's up to you to judge, not mine. First and foremost, is Jesus your Savior? Because that's a boundary. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man what? Cometh to the Father except through me. Boundary. You're not going to get to God unless you go through Jesus Christ hearing and believing, <laughs> repenting of your sin and confessing Jesus as your Savior, being buried to receive the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit and raise that new creation walking faithful. Now, if you've never accepted Christ, I want to encourage you to do that today. Now, you're a Christian. You've been a Christian 5, 10, 25, 50 years. Have you crossed a boundary you've never repented of? Are you guilty of having broken a boundary just like Adam and Eve and either you're trying to justify it by blaming somebody else or you're trying to hide from God so that you don't have to repent of it and receive the consequences here. You need to get yourself straight today. Today. Not with me with God. Now we're going to sing this hymn of invitation, Lord, I'm coming home. We're going to sing the first and the third verse of this, and if you have a decision to make, I want to encourage you to come as we sing. Lord, I'm coming home, number 51, the first and the third verse. Would you come as we stand?